welcome to a season of caring podcast where there's hope for living, loving, and caring with no regrets. This is Raina Nysis, your host, and today I'm honored to introduce you to Basedi Santos. Her passion is for Christians to grasp and audaciously live out their identity and inheritance in Christ by demonstrating God's power and grace, making a difference in the world. As an ordained minister of the gospel, she served as an associate pastor of a Canadian local church before branching out to head to her parachurch ministry, Romans 8, 19 Ministries. Basedi is a spiritual and life coach, mentor, and contributing author of an anthology of faith encounters with God, anchored by trust. As a vocation, she coaches through promoting champions coaching, helping Christians and young adults power their purpose through passion so they live purposeful, influential lives. She holds a master's in leadership and ministry from the Ambrose University in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. A wife and mother, her favorite pastimes include exploring new walking trails, hosting friends old and new in her home, and enjoying exotic flavored lattes and teas. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you today. Thank you for having me, Raina. I'm glad to be here. I would would like to start with having you share a little bit about your caregiving experience. And I know that it kind of came on suddenly for you. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, my mom in 2009 was diagnosed with cancer. But, you know, when it happened, she just took ill. And we really didn't know exactly what was going on. And she took tests eventually she was diagnosed. Well, then this was in Nigeria and my family and I at that time were living in Aberdeen in Scotland. So I just asked my other two siblings who lived in Nigeria at that time. My younger brother and I we lived in Aberdeen then. So we asked other two sisters back in Nigeria to just send them over and they came and God, being a gracious God, uh, the kind of tumor that she had, which is called gastrointestinal something something tumor, <laughs> the hospital in Aberdeen that where she got her care, the most influential oncologist, like the head expert oncologist for that kind of tumor, was in that hospital, mm. and he was her consultant. So we, to us, it was like, wow, God, you are all over this and you're in control. Initially, when she came to Scotland, they really didn't know exactly what it was. So they just did a barrage of tests. Eventually, they found out it was this gist. So in, um, that uh, fellow was invited to be her consultant. At that time, they had just started using a certain type of drug for it. It wasn't the type of tumor that, you know, chemotherapy worked with, radiation didn't work with it, surgery didn't work with it. And unfortunately, by the time it's discovered, it's at its advanced stage. And Mm. so it had already metastasized. And so there I was, my brother and his wife, they were working. I was home, homeschooling my kids. My husband was working. So I sort of became the primary caregiver for her. And that would, that meant shuttling between home and hospital every day. That went on for six months initially. Along uh, that journey, the doctor called us to this special room where they tell you it's time now to go say your goodbyes because that's it. Tomorrow she'll be gone. 
Mm. And I'm going, no, nobody makes that sentence on another human being. You can't make that sentence, you know. She's not ready to go. She, mm-hmm. she, she, I, I, so he looked at me funny, like, excuse me, you know, what's all that? So anyways, long story short, we told him she's not ready to leave. So we prayed and God honored our prayers. And the following day she turned, she just turned around. She started responding to treatment and she just started coming, getting better. The tumor started shrinking. Nothing had happened up until that time. And the tumor just started to shrink. And this was a tumor they told us would, you know, if it shrunk, maybe just a few millimeters, but it shrunk considerably. It shrunk maybe to about um, 10% of what it was when she got there. And so... This gentleman was like, oh my goodness, I've never seen anything like this before. So she eventually was discharged and she came home. And then that was exactly when the uh, caregiving started. So I had to manage her, manage my dad, because my dad was here as well. Manage my dad, manage my kids. I was homeschooling my brother's two daughters as well with my own two sons. So I had to manage all of that. And it was just go, 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 go. I learned to give her her blood thinner injection every other day, dress her wound, bathe her. It, It was just some autopilot, you know, (laughs) you you didn't stop. I didn't stop to think about self-care like most people would. And um, I just went on like that for six months when she now went back to Nigeria. And I think about three months afterwards, she came back again because she had to have constant consultations and Mm -hmm. checkups because they had to keep on uh, observing the tumor to be sure that it kept down. So that's it in a nutshell. It's just go, 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 go. And, you know, but would I say that I regretted the way that I cared for her? I don't think so, because we're naturally raised to care for family and you just Mm -hmm. dig your heels in and get on with it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So managing all of those hats, that's one of the toughest things as a caregiver is, as you said, you just are on the go all the time. And most caregivers don't think about taking care of themselves because there is so much to do. But were there things that really came in handy in managing homeschooling and taking care of your mom? Yeah, I think for for homeschooling, it's such a beautiful thing that at that time, the curriculum that we were on, it wasn't the type that I had to teach my children. I wasn't so hands-on that way. All I needed to do was supervise them, just ensure that the goals that they set for themselves, that they met it. So it was kind of self-learning curriculum that we were on. So when I wasn't available, like in the mornings, I would have to run my dad to the hospital so he could be with my mom and then maybe at noon, go back to bring him home and then go back later in the evening with everybody, with all the kids and my my brother and my brother and his wife would meet us there. My husband after work would meet us there. So that was our routine every day. And mm-hmm. so my sons understood that as well. My older son now became the 
you know, facilitator for mm-hmm. the younger ones. So he just made sure that while I had to be away, everybody did what they needed to do. So that was the beauty of being able to manage that because I didn't really have to be there to like teach hands-on all the time. I think that's the key for our listeners to think about is how can we automate or make things run that are able to run without us? Because there are so many things that do require our attention that when we can find the things that someone else can handle, letting it go and asking for help and letting someone else do it is oftentimes harder to do than you think. So it's nice that your older son could handle it, that the curriculum was already one that allowed that to happen and you weren't having to make a big change in the middle of things either. So sometimes we have to make a change in order to get the support that we need. But it was nice that yours was kind of in already in place so that that routine was able to continue. Obviously, faith is a big part of your life. Share with us a little bit about how faith played in your caring for your mom. Before we experienced, you know, this with my mom. Personally, I had also experienced seasons of breakthrough through prayer and um, miraculous healing through prayers, you know. And so for me, it was, I, I didn't see that God couldn't heal my mom. I didn't see that, you know, I couldn't pray and I, I, I would pray and God wouldn't answer I didn't see all of that. So I just, you know, went into it with faith that this is what the word of God has said. And I believe that I hold on to that. It doesn't matter what my eyes are seeing right now. The word of God is my final authority. And so I I stood on that because when I had my second son, I had a situation where the prognosis was that I would never walk. I was paralyzed, waist down. But, you know, six months after, I walked. So it was the word of God that that brought that to me. Other, other situations had been through it, and it was the word of God that saw us through. So for me, it wasn't even, a, it was a no-brainer that, you know, God was going to answer us. And my mom herself, she had a word from God that God promised that I will heal your wounds and I will deliver you. So we all stood on that word. And you know, as she was speaking it over herself as she could, we spoke it over her as well. And 24-7, there were faith scriptures playing in her room between scriptures and worship. We kept faith going on in her room. And whenever anyone came and they were discouraging her, oh, well, this, oh, well, that, and we go, no, this is what we believe. That is where we want to have our focus. We understand where you are coming from, but please understand as well where we are coming from and please honor that and just believe with us if you can. And if you can't, just let us be. And God, faithful God, in spite of the fact that she was given this sentence of not many years. She still lived five years after then. Unfortunately, the thing came back with a vengeance and she gave in that she was tired. She really didn't want to fight it anymore. And so she passed. It's going to be five years this year since she passed. And it's just that legacy of it doesn't matter how long God will answer. And for us, death isn't like we lost. We didn't lose it because the Bible says 
death, where is your sting? So that to us, it's like, yeah, that's where she's getting her complete and total healing in the presence of God. That's it for us. As we, there's no, there's really no no contest about what we believe that God answers prayers. Yeah, yeah I love that you were able to share not only the healing that happened in the moment, but that later it was not his plan to heal her, but rather to heal her in heaven and restore her whole body and actually give us a new body. One of the difficult things is I was caring for my dad for this period of years. I knew that I wanted to offer everything I could to help him be as healthy and as happy as long as possible. We knew that we had a terminal diagnosis of Alzheimer's, but that didn't mean it needed to happen tomorrow. As you said, fighting for and having faith of the best quality and of all the things that that we were able to give him was all part of what happened. But then there was a time in which we knew also that it was it was time. We were reaching the end and it was time to let go and let him pass on to the other life. I think that's a hard thing to do when you're caring for a loved one. We don't want to let them go from here, but there is a celebration in knowing where they're going and that we will see them again. So that's a blessing. Indeed. 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 So what hard lessons would you say that you've learned in caring for your mom? I think the hard lesson would be, like you said um, before, we as carers, we just go into autopilot and we don't think to stop and take care of ourselves. Because after she left, she was completely discharged and she didn't need to keep coming back for checkups. I completely broke down Mm -hmm. in that, you know, I had these incessant headaches I couldn't understand what it was. So I went to see my GP, who that's my our family doctor, who, you know, after tests discovered that my blood pressure was, you know, through the roof. And mm-hmm. that was why I was having, you know, those headaches. And so I had to completely be off my feet for a, a few weeks. So for me, that was a wake-up call that when you get into that kind of a situation, you need to pace yourself. You know, don't just go full blast in, in, in seconds, you know, mm-hmm. and don't just go full blast, but take the time to draw back and look after your own self. So that was, that was kind of hard. Also the fact that I, I think because we are groomed, in Nigeria, we are groomed to be like family. You do anything for family, you know. And so to draw boundaries was difficult. <laughs> there were things that I couldn't afford emotionally, but I still gave. But mm. one thing that, I was, that I'm quite thankful for was I still had the community in spite of that. So there were times that, you know, I could just go, Mm-mm, I, I'm, I'm done especially when I, I became, uh, my emotions began uh, to fray, I could just turn it over to my younger brother that, look, you, you need to go take care of your mom. I'm, I, I really don't want to, you know, get cross with her or whatever. Or my husband, you need to, you know, just watch her. I, I really don't want to step into whatever she's doing right now. We are not raised, especially because they're parents, they're older. We're not raised to be able to, to call time out, you know, whenever, whatever they were getting into. 
was getting too much. So those were the kind of um, hard lessons that I learned that there is a way to actually respectfully call timeout, which I now am learning <laughs> with my dad, even though you know we're caring for, for him at a distance. He's still back in Nigeria, but it's it's just those things that I just needed to understand that there is a place to actually call timeout when it's getting too much, you know, which I didn't do with my mom. Wise words and definitely a process of learning how to do that. That we have boundaries that are healthy. It doesn't mean we don't care. It doesn't mean we don't respond when, we, when we're really needed. It means learning how to have that separation that's healthy and understand ourselves and our needs as well as understand them and their needs, mm-hmm. but not sacrifice ourselves for their needs. It's difficult, difficult to do. So listeners, as you continue <laughs> to work through that, <laughs> make it a goal, make it a process that you learn yourself and you learn what you need in order to be able to give what you need to give to those that you love. Indeed. Um, hard lesson, but definitely worth learning. And one that we get to exercise, honestly, all the time in life with our children, with our loved ones, just all over the place. We have opportunities to learn to find our boundaries and honor our loved ones at the same time. Because really what it comes down to is you can't give what you don't have. And Mm -hmm. if you're running on empty, then emotions rise and you're at risk of even making that relationship worse. Mm -hmm. So it's just wise to just know this is how far I can go and just, you know, attend to that, honor that and respectfully, you know, communicate that to them that, look, I I can't go that way. (laughs) It's too much for me right now. They love us too. And so that's the good news that they don't want that for us. They want us to be able to take care of ourselves as well. And Mm -hmm. so that's the good news. Is there anything that you could encourage our listeners with today who are in this caring season and maybe are feeling weary? Is there any encouragement you can offer? Well, uh, it's, it's even worse right now for um, those who are actively caring, especially because of, you know, what's happening all over the world. Mm-hmm. There's COVID, there's all the riots, you know, and everything. So there's anxiety is heightening. And if there's anyone who is a Christian who's caring, first, all I'll say is cling to God, because that's the only place where we can find peace. And, you know, for any other person who doesn't have that relationship with God, all I'll just say is whatever you can find to maintain peace. Because for me, I believe that if you can just locate peace in your heart, then it calms you down and you're able to make rational choices. You're able to make, you're able to see clearly as opposed to having anxiety that, you know, just makes you run amok and <laughs> just do things that hurt, that will hurt you, hurt other people. So for me, what is most critical is find peace. And with peace, joy will come because mm. then you're not working against yourself. You're just, you know, flowing in that calmness. Yeah. Very wise words. Seek, seek to find peace. 
And if you don't have it, then search and find it. Indeed. Well, thank you. It's been wonderful to be able to visit with you today. And I think it's been refreshing for our listeners to hear that um, in the midst of the difficulties, there is peace and there are places that you can find to take care of yourself and to continue to care for others. And listeners, if you'd like to stay in touch, you can find some free resources available, life-giving words, weekly planner, different motivational resources at www.boseadesantos.com. Thank you again for your time today. It has been wonderful to be able to just be refreshed by your faith and the encouraging words that you've offered to the listeners. Thank you, Raina. Good to be here. And just a reminder, a Season of Caring podcast is created for the encouragement of family caregivers. If you have medical, financial, or legal questions, please consult your local professional and take heart in your season of caring.